maybe I'm just the only one this morning. I mean, like, I know I've heard testimonies of how God's kept families during this time. I know that we've seen promotions during this time. Yes, people have lost jobs. But what is what's crazy about it is that I know for years I felt inside of me something's coming with the economy. I don't know about you, but, like, something inside of me is just like, hey, something's coming. I don't know what it is, but something's coming, and we need to be prepared. It's almost as if that God still keeps, he keeps care of his family. He will prophetically speak to you. He will prepare you, give you information that you shouldn't have ahead of time so that when the time of famine comes, when the time of collapse or crisis, whatever comes, God's people are protected. Amen? Is that not our testimony here? Has anybody really just not been blessed during COVID? Anybody been blessed during COVID? Thank, thank you. I know y'all got masks, but y'all can interact with a brother because I'm going to sweat regardless. Matthew 3, starting at verse 13. It says this here. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to, to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him. Let us, uh, let us be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. Did he see a dove? No. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Verse 17 is really the highlight for this message. And it says, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I want to talk to you guys for a little bit about um, from this title of living a beloved life. Some things that we need to understand as we kind of crack this text open is that this happens, this setting happens before Jesus has started any public ministry. Jesus hasn't healed anybody yet. He hasn't cast any demons out of anybody yet. He's getting baptized. And at this point, this is where the father says, this is my what? Beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Jesus, this is, this is very key for a three like me. Some of y'all don't know what the Enneagram is. I didn't until about a couple months ago. But a three like me, I care about affirmation. And so I do things because I want to be what? Affirmed. And I, I go crazy after it because I mean, that's just how I'm wired. But Jesus, this is very key, Jesus didn't have to work for affirmation. He started from affirmation. Before he starts anything, God says, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. It don't matter what else you do the rest of, the rest of your time, I'm already pleased. I wonder, could, could any of us really just get that in, into our spirits, that God, because of Jesus, God has been made pleased with us. There's no amount of Bible studies, no amount of fasting, even if we fasted, you know, a year consecutive, it's not going to make him more pleased with us. Us as Christ followers and image bearers, we must align ourselves with this reality as truth daily. Not just sometimes, but dailies. It's so easy for me, myself, and I'll just talk for myself. It's so easy for me to drift and to begin to just simply try to earn the affection of the Father 
when that was never the goal. Like I said, the goal from the beginning was to work from affirmation and not for affirmation. When you're working for affirmation, you will serve a lot of gods. Unknowingly, you'll make some things God that should not be God. When we work for affirmation, let's just say it's the affirmation of our husband, our spouse, or, um, or a boss, whoever that is, we will unknowingly put them in the place where only God should be in our life. Now, we're there to work, we're there to serve, but we're not there to, get, to, to just live for their words of well done. It always haunted me in, in the Bible where uh, in Matthews, where it says, many will call out to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done this in your name? Have we not prophesied? Have we not cast out demons? Have we not healed the sick? Have we not done all these things? And he says, depart from me, you work of iniquity, for I never, I never knew you. Y'all, I, that's not a place where, where we want to be. But how do we get there? And, and my, my, whole, my whole thought process, even with this, is that have we really been in, have we been introduced to Christendom more than we've been introduced to Christ? In the in the American West, like that's a very real question, very real question, because we have so many cultures and subcultures within being a Christian that it's very easy for you to transform your life to look like an American Christian than look like a Christ follower. If you don't believe me, just go on Facebook and see the amount of hate that's coming from Christians. But Jesus says this. He says, you will know, they will know that you are mine by the way that you love. I think that's a good filter before we, you know, if we were taking a selfie, that would be the filter that I'd want on my life. I want the filter of love. Before I post something that is just disheartened and mean-spirited, I'd want to see, God, does this pass through your filter of love? Before I respond to uh, my child or spouse when they are really getting on my nerves, does this pass through the filter of love? Because we need to be reminded of this, especially in America right now, that it was very, it's very easy to package religion, a Christianity religion, but it's much harder. It's, and it takes much more time for us to be able to preach the message of the kingdom and allow those seeds to take root in hearts and minds and watch them and, and, and really be in a place for them to grow up. See, like, when you're planting seeds in a garden, you don't exactly, I, and I don't have a lot of green thumb with this. I'll refer to Michael for this. Um, but when you're planting a garden, I remember, so this was the funny story. My brother and my great-grandmother, they would always go outside and work in the summer. You could find me in the AC with my Down syndrome uncle um, because I just wasn't having that life. I just wasn't built for the heat like that. I've always been about a little heavier. It's, it's just how life was. So they would go out and they would work these fields and they would plant these uh, different plants and things like that. But I always knew this one thing. It was never that they planted it that morning and went that afternoon and could just harvest it. There always was some type of seed time, watering, maybe like you checking back on the soil. Then harvest came long, long later. In the American church, we're addicted with planting seed and harvesting in the same 45-minute service. We want 
to seed you the gospel, and we want to see you receive the gospel and count you in our numbers because that creates validation in the American church. But what did COVID-19 do to that? Bust up them numbers. (laughs) What? We thought everybody was saved. Look around. We thought that people was just getting this thing. Were they getting it? Well, I don't know because when I look at the condition of our schools, when I look at the condition of our culture, it doesn't quite look like Christ is impacting the culture, more or less the culture trying to put a spin on Christ that looks ugly. And it doesn't look anything like beloved at all. It looks almost like be hated. Wow. That first point, if you take your notes, that if we're trying to live from an identity of beloved, it's not about what we do to earn his love. See, God's not saying to me, JP, he's not saying, hey, it's all about what you've, what you've done and, and, and all these things. See, I, I sometimes get in circles where there's people and they lead with their accolades. You know, like if you've been around a bunch of business owners or successful people in any type of way, they're going to lead with what they've done. Oh, I, I'm on this board, and I'm on that. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm just JP, you know. <laughs> but every now and then I feel some narcissism rise up in me, and I want to let them, I want to flex on them just a little bit, on just the, you know, just the smallest thing. See, this is how it looks. Me and Steven, we lift weights on the regular time, on a regular basis. And, you know, Vulo, like, I have, I have kind of matched where he, where he comes, his energy. First, the first energy was straight prophetic and uh, conviction. Even though we're lifting weights, I felt convicted. People are like, hey, man, you do all those sets? I'm like, did I do those sets? One, two, three. I, like, did I miss some numbers? But anyway, so we acclimate to working together. We get, we get going, and we're regularly at this thing. We're working at it. We're working at it. Sooner or later, you know, I'm kind of feeling myself. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I think I'm going to challenge Vulo today on this one particular one particular exercise. Well, that's how I ended up hurting my back. In the moment, it felt great. Oh, man, yes, that just happened. Good. Weeks later. That's, that's a picture of pride, right? All of us. See, pride can mask itself in so many different ways. Pride can even mask itself in timidity. Pride can mask itself in, in you just feeling like, oh, well, you know, I don't want it to be all about me. So, like, let me just hang back. No, you don't want someone to see that you are inadequate in an area. And so because of that, you hang back. You ever wondered why we have mature believers in a room worshiping together and we can't get everyone to intercede at the same time? Why? Because there's an area of worship that we feel inadequate for. And we're waiting for Michael or the band or whoever else to lead us into some euphoric moment where then we can say, yes, now I feel comfortable. No, but you were built and you were made to be a disciple who makes disciples. If you've been worshiping for 30 years, honey, you should be a pro at this. I mean, you ain't singing or not, like singing or not, you should just be able to host the presence of God. You know, I, the things I loved about my grandmother is I, I didn't have a lot of people that went to seminary growing up, but they loved Jesus. And they would host the presence of God in random places, like their kitchen while making biscuits. I don't know if I was focused on the Jesus or the biscuits, but I just know that they were both going on at the same time. 
And it would host the presence of God, things like, God, I thank you, and just exhorting the Lord. And I don't think that's a cultural thing. I don't think that's a black thing. I don't think that's because I grew up with a black grandmother. That is a, that is a Christ-centric thing, that in the life of a believer, a mature believer has moved to a place to where they can now host, host the presence of God. And if we are contingent, if that is contingent on the pastoral leadership, if that's contingent upon worship and a band and a hymn or whatever you want it to be, then I'm telling you there's something in you that's lacking the authentic nature of Christ. And it is totally contingent on your preference of what you like. This is why America is so segregated in 11 o'clock hour. Because we'd rather worship with people we like. I didn't plan that, but that was a great, great sound effect for that time. (laughs) Romans 8, let's go there. When we live from an identity of beloved, we must know that the Father's Spirit actually bears witness within us. His spirit actually bears witness within us. Romans 8 says this, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoptions of, do- of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16, it says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Verse 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also, what, be glorified with him. Suffering's a part of the package, guys. Suffering is a part of the package. There's no pain. There's no. I don't know why we preach this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where we got it from. Maybe it was more palatable. Maybe we could get more people to raise their hands if we told them it was going to be convenient. I don't know how we've got to the point in 2020 where we have a huge nation that says we're Christian, but there's no spirit of prayer in our nation. Prayer is the lifeline that jolts you back to action. Do you understand? When you are getting beat down by life, you have to connect with God. And you have to know that his spirit is authentic inside of you, that his spirit actually bears witness because you are children of God. You might not get a lot of amens different places if you say some of these things. If you tweet some of these comments, I'm telling you, you probably won't be the most popular. But there is a gospel being preached in America that is not the one of the kingdom. There is a gospel that's being preached that sounds really good. It sounds Savitic in nature. It sounds really good. And what it does is it keeps us really focused on the things that we feel religiously we can control. See, we can control telling you how bad of a sinner you once were. We can control just keep pushing this narrative of this. Oh, okay. Uh, 
We can control that. We, we, can, can, we can control, like, systematically keep saying the exact same things. We can control, keep pointing us at the cross. And listen, I'm saying the cross definitely has its place. But listen, that is an incomplete place to stop. Because the cross was for a reason. The cross happened so that we could be redeemed to the original intent. Do you know that God didn't just God didn't just say, oh, you know, I'm going to send Jesus down there so that everybody can just sit there and marvel at the fact that he came and died. It's not it. Alone, guys, listen to me. I'm, I know some of your brains are just like rocking on that. I'm not sitting there saying that that is not the message. I'm just saying that's not simply it. If we stop there, then we never feel, we never gain a responsibility of what Jesus actually wanted the exchange to be. What does Jesus say before he goes? He says, the works I do, you'll do that and greater. How do you, how do, you do greater? Well, you have to receive what he's given to you, which he restored the identity that God created in the beginning in Genesis. What does God, what does God the Father say? He says, let us make man in our Think about some of your weaknesses right now. Is that in the image of God? See, there's certain, there's certain lies that we believe that that wasn't God's intent. God's intent was to send Jesus so that we could be redeemed to his original state. It's kind of like a factory reset, guys. You reset it back to factory. What, what, what did God, what did he, what did he uh, mean from the beginning? Well, if we look at it, we can see that Adam and Eve, they walked with God. They talked with God just as we talking to each other. And so if we're asking ourselves, okay, what part of the kingdom message have I not yet even heard? Man, y'all, it's infinite. The kingdom, literally, I've heard several messages um, where people are are talking about the kingdom. And and, uh, one big one is Ron Hamilton, and, like, he goes on and on and on about several different parts but our foundation is still the same the foundation is that jesus died for us to now have access to the kingdom now when we're praying this back to the lord's prayer your kingdom come your will be now see that empowers that empowers us now to do the works of the kingdom in our lives but in america we nullify that Christian relationship down to a once a week commitment and maybe Christmas and Easter. And if you're kind of, if you're kind of committed, you'll be on somebody's deacon board somewhere. Sound a little off? I, I know it's, I know it's obvious that I'm pointing out at like certain things that we can see, but y'all, some of that stuff is stuff that we have. And, and here's some housekeeping that we have to be able to assess in ourselves. How many people, how many Christians are you regularly doing life with that you don't, that, that you can tell that they're growing in their faith, in their walk? Or is, are all the Christians that you hang with right here at this church? That's a serious question. I'm not asking you to, like, give me the answer. It's just like if I was to ask you how many black people you regularly acquaint with. You know, I've been surprised in this time how many white people don't have black friends. Y'all could laugh. I mean, like, (laughs) you would laugh any other time. But seriously, I'm starting to think that the only Christians that some of us actually interact with is our church friends, quote unquote. And we're a totally different breed outside of our church friends, which starts to make me think, man, wow, like, how authentic is this then? 
Because when we have the conversation about discipleship, we should be able to look in this room and say, you know what, man, in this room, there's at least 25 solid leaders who are ready to take their faith to the next level, who are ready to do life with people. And, y'all, we're not talking about super deep. You know, I meet with Vula on a regular basis, and that to me is some discipleship. He's literally painting my body, but also building my soul. What does discipleship look like to you? And are you telling the story of how you've been transformed from darkness into marvelous light? Or has that become old to you? Is that old news? Y'all, y'all that, that's, that's real. Like, because in, in churches around the country, you would, preach, you would preach certain verses and people would say, I've heard that before. And that's a religious spirit in the church. If Jesus would say it, why can't we say it? If Jesus would do it, why can't we do it? I think that if Jesus came in most churches and preached, we'd boot him out and say he was a bad communicator. Because he didn't say anything new. He didn't make me laugh. He didn't hold my attention. But he did give me eternal life. Y'all know I used to say it's tight, but it's right. It's time to bring that back. It's tight, but it's right. This is why we preach the gospel of the kingdom. Because we can no longer identify by a spirit that is not our father's. We have not just been saved uh, just so that we can say that we are just sinners saved by grace. Y'all know that's a popular thing in the South. Oh, who am I? Well, I'm brother. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. It's like that's the like <laughs> that that becomes the buffer to live life however you want to live it. It's like, well, you know, I would be faithful, but brother, I'm a sinner saved by grace. What? Can we draw a clear depiction of that there is a real Christianity? And there is one that has been marketed and promoted to us in, like, in our context of the South. If I was preaching in the North, I'd say something different. But, y'all, we're right here in North Carolina. And our religious culture here is terrible. And if we're not careful, we will come out of COVID not changing anything. And we'll be, a, we'll be stiff-necked and still religious. Calling ourselves free because we're not as Baptist as we used to be. That's narcissism. Do you understand that the freedom that God has given us, he's freely granted it. So I can't pick on somebody because they haven't come into a full expression of, it, of the minute revelation that I finally walked in. And so now I pick on Baptists because, you know, they ain't as free and they worship. You see the tricks? Those are lies. Those are lies of the devil that the church trips over. But if we're brothers and sisters, we're, we're sons, y'all. We're sons, we're sons and daughters of God. We were saved for a full manifestation of, of God's original intent when he created Adam. Just like when he said, let us make man in our image. We must be careful to not fall for views of sons and daughters that God never intended. Um. I've seen this earlier this week, and some of people might have a lot of opinions on it, but Todd White recently came out last week, and he was saying that he hadn't preached a full gospel. 
And uh, that's caught a lot of people's traction. Like, well, man, he's been in ministry 16 years, but now he's talking about not preaching a full gospel. And y'all, like, we're living in a time where God's doing a work in the earth. And if he's bringing revelation to people, however he brings it, then we need to be in a place of grace to be able to receive those who are coming into enlightenment. Not just say, oh, well, now he's got to prove himself via my steps of righteousness. I wonder how many people are cast off from the church in this season just because of the judgment that they, re- that they feel is going to come to them if they tried to come to church, if they tried to connect online. Oh, the body of Christ, because we've been loved, we can now be loved people. We can love people because we've been loved. My last, my last points here this morning. I know you might hear me saying like a lot of hard things towards the church, but I've been asking hard questions because in COVID, I I guess, I don't know what I thought that it would take to get the world here, but maybe it was something more dramatic. Um, I thought that when they said that, oh, well, you know, what, what would it look like for the church to be, um, I don't know, like persecuted or what did the end times quote unquote look like? I don't know. Like we grew up with these series of like, the, uh, who was that guy? Who's the actor in the end time series? Uh, Kirk. Yes. Kirk. Kirk and I just, that was my picture of like, you know, what, whenever it came, it would be looking like a Kirk Cameron movie. But if you take some steps back right now, and you just examine the state of the world, things kind of feel a little off. Like, they feel, like, very much off. But for the church, our message for centuries, our message throughout our entire history of the church is that we've been able to proclaim the goodness of God, and we've been able to build each other's faith, even in the face of persecution and being killed and whatever else the church went through. The church had a solid message of hope. And I guess I'm challenged this morning to say, yo, where's our message of hope? And it has to be love. It has to be that God is the answer. It has to be that our lives look notably different than what people see in, on their newsfeed. It has to be that we live a life that is notably different. Why, you know, for, for me, when I look at the things that are bubbling on the surface, I'm not trying to address, address those things on the surface. You want to address racial prejudice, address sin. You want to address uh, the, the, dif- the different types of fear that are going, address sin. Give a, let's give a right perspective of who God is because when we understand who God is and how he's created us, it addresses all these other things. And we'll be able to come to repentance because of God and not because we were placated on by fear. Oh, I'm fearful of saying the wrong thing, so let me just make sure. No, no, y'all, like, God is awakening his church. I love that song. Come awaken your people. I don't know about you, but if I stand and I just say, Lord, like, if I was judged today outside of your grace, I know I'm going to hell. Like, period. There's just no way. There's just no way outside of the grace of God without Jesus gracing my life. There's no way I could walk this out successfully, period. 
But when I think about what he's done for me and how he lavishly gives us grace, to even be able to stand right now and be able to say, you know what, God, I repent. That's where I think that America can, where we can really learn (laughs) is that, is repentance. Let's stand if you will. Now, if I was to preach Christianity and like just like what we've known, then I would really be looking right now for hands raised and how many like stats we could count. <laughs> but I'm really just, I'm convinced that one of the reasons why we're not seeing signs and wonders in our nation, just like what's happening all over the world. See, like that's, that's something that's not being broadcast, y'all, is what's happening all over the world. In some Muslim countries, on a regular basis, I mean by the month, half a million people coming to Jesus. Not raising their hands, y'all. Like, we talking about people who could get killed for professing Jesus. That's happening right now. And we having, like, petty fights about how to do church, online, wear a mask, wear not. Like, come on. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's some battles right now that matter, and there's, some, there's other ones that don't. And and I'm just really convinced that it's because we've resorted to teaching a gospel that's more based on convenience and knowledge rather than true conviction and real encounter. We need people to know Jesus. We need the church to know Jesus. I don't want to get to the place where I just say I'm good and I say, oh, I don't need that message again. Nah, I've heard the gospel, whatever. Give me something deeper. I want some red meat. (laughs) No. God, keep my heart palatable. Keep my heart in a place where you can minister a word and I can just receive it. And I can do something with that word. Father, I pray, Lord God, right now, this morning, God, that you take all the remnants and seeds and parts of this uh, that you've used this time for, God, and that you let it marinate in our souls. God, that you'd give us an action plan that's specific from you, from heaven, God, for what we're to do individually with this word from this morning, God, that you've called us into a beloved identity, God. And we're called to love this world. We're called to love others, God, who who might not even have the capacity to love us, but you've called us to love them. And you also called us to your identity of sons and daughters, God. So we pray that this morning. We pray, God, that we would walk into the newness of that. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.